Football, baby! Welcome in to another episode of the Losing Sucks Fantasy Football Podcast. I am, of course, your host, Dustin Blanton, along with my co-host, Travis Masters. Masterson, I am so sorry, Travis. Episode oh. 72, it's bound to happen. It's yeah, so yeah, we've we've done it 70, <laughs> well, now 72 times, and I finally screw up. Um, so from now on, you're just Travis. Um, we're just going to we're going to clean it up on the front end. But today, Travis, we're talking some week two narratives. We're talking some other fun stuff. But more importantly, it's about who we're talking it with. And today we're joined by none other than Matt Hicks. He is the resident football expert over there at the Rookie Big Board. You can follow him on Twitter at the FF Educator. Here he is, Matt Hicks. Thank you so much for joining the show. How are you, sir? It's week one. Merry post-Christmas. It's like that week <laughs> in between Christmas and New Year's. We're just kind of letting it set in. We're still riding high. It's week two. There's no bad rosters yet. It's week three of college football, right? So I like to remind right. folks of that as well. So we are all in on football season. It is a fantastic time of the year, and I'm happy to be on with you, fellas. Oh, we appreciate you taking yes, the time, sir. man. Appreciate you taking the time. Uh, foot, you know, fantasy football, like you said, there's no bad rosters yet. Um, and especially in college right now, there are bad teams. Um, I, I happen to be a fan of one of them, Notre Dame and oh, tough weekend. <laughs> yeah, really tough, really tough couple of weekends. And I also happen to be a Texas fan. And oh. so there's, <laughs> it's just, well, there's at least some optimism the there. We could, we could, uh, you know, rose colored glasses, that one. Sure. Yeah. There's hope. Oh, we could have won. Yeah. It's really close. Um, we'll get into some college stuff. Um, during the show, of course, we want to pick your brain. Us not being the college expert that you are, but we are definitely fans. Like you said, though, we had a bunch of fantasy football fun, and we want to talk about it. You know, we we had our show for week one. We had our heartbreaks and, and, and guys who performed well for us. I want to ask you the same question, though. Are there any guys that that kind of hurt your feelings in week one that you're you could maybe have some hope for of bouncing back in week two. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, my mind always goes to the rookies. And I think the one that a lot of folks got nervous about is James cook, right? That Thursday night Island game, he fumbles on his first carry, gets pulled off the field. I think things are going to get better for James cook. Though. I'm holding out some optimism. You know, I wasn't somebody who took him in the first round, but I got plenty of James Cook there in the second round, and I'm still excited for it. I think it was a little bit of an odd scheme for Bill, for the Bills this past weekend. I don't think they're going to be in that situation quite often, and I think they're mm -hmm. going to need him to be on the field. So that's the one I'm holding out hope for, but, man, after week one, it's easy to overreact. It's easy to get into your head about it. Right. No, for sure. For sure. Uh, you know, especially with a guy taking the second round of the NFL draft, James Cook was, like you said, someone that a lot of fantasy fans were really hoping would just, you know, draft capital means he's going to be the guy. So um, maybe we'll hold out hope for a few weeks longer just to see how that plays out. I know you, I'm happy Travis dropped him in our home league. Would you drop James Cook? I think, I don't know who I dropped him for. Um, would you drop him for 
somebody like Jeff Wilson right now? Man, it's tough. That's tough. I would I would hold out James Cook, and it's one of those ones where you might get to week four and say, ah, I should have given up on him quicker, but it's just not somebody I'm willing to cut bait on yet, right? Especially for Jeff Wilson, I get it. He's going to be a waiver wire target this week, and for obvious reasons, but that's still an ugly-looking committee as well. You know, you look at Buffalo, Singletary looked good when they gave him the ball, but they didn't show a, a propensity to want him to get the ball either. Zach Moss looked Zach Moss-esque, right? So that wasn't exciting right. either. So I think if you're going to dig into a running back by committee, you might as well shoot for upside. I'm not sure how yeah. much Jeff Wilson has. That's true. I, I feel like they have to get inside the five for him to have a chance to bring you value, which yeah. is not the type of player that I usually like. I usually err on the side of give me the guy between the 20s. If they happen to get in the end zone, that's just a bonus. But I want the yards. Give me the volume guy. Even if he has somebody, if that if that particular player has somebody that comes in at the goal line and takes most of that, those your guys right. are still bound to score eventually from 15, 20 yards out. So I, I like the volume guys, particularly pass-catching guys. So... Yeah, maybe I shouldn't have dropped him, um, but it, it's when you have home leagues and you have five bench spots, those are the tough decisions that you have to make. Like you're not going to drop Alan Lazard over dropping James Cook for somebody you think you could start. So, we'll yeah, see. and he's somebody who probably is going to hang out on the waiver wire. Like I don't yeah. think uh, he's necessarily going to be a top target right on that second run once things open up. So. It's, it's one of those things where, you know, he could sit there and you just got to know when to grab him back up before he has that huge game. But I like how you mentioned the pass catching work. I mean, that's the upside there with James Cook, right? You know, right. you're even looking at Javante Williams. His rushing stats on Monday night were not that great in week one, but he made up for it in pass catching, right? And so yeah, having that safety targets. net is always good. Yeah. Yeah. Career high in targets for him, which was surprising, you know. It, and, you know, there were a lot of guys this week that kind of – maybe took us by surprise. Was there anyone this week, um, Matt, that took you by surprise? And also on the other side of that, was there anyone that you maybe see that you're, you're starting to get concerned with now heading into week two? Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, I've always been big on Michael Pittman. I've got him in a lot of spots, but it was a pleasant surprise to see him absolutely pop off, finish as a top six guy right there. 13 targets. I mean, that's what we want to see. If you really put that into context, think about who Michael Pittman is. Like he's your mm-hmm. X downfield big target wide receiver. Yeah. That type of guy is getting 13 targets in his first game with a new quarterback. A quarterback we right. know wants to air the ball out in an offense that we felt all offseason wanted to be more balanced. I mean, that's right. exciting. And I feel like people are excited about it, but I don't think people are as excited about it. Like I Michael agree. Pittman is looking to be a locked in wide receiver one moving forward. And I think valuing him at anything less than that is absolutely under underappreciating what he's doing. So, you know, he's somebody right now, if I'm looking to add another piece and maybe try to get sneaky and a little bit ahead of the curve, even though he had a big game, I think there's a lot more coming. What, what type of player would you attempt to move for Pittman right now? Yeah, so I'm looking at, like, you know, um, somebody who maybe has been getting a little bit of hype here, right, but – maybe a little overvalued. So like if you could do a package here with like a wide receiver two plus Cordero Patterson, I think that would be an interesting deal to flip there. Um, You know, maybe even moving CMC for Pittman plus another piece, that kind of deal where you can kind of just pivot off of it. And, you know, it's probably going to have to involve another piece in there because I think one for one, most folks are going to look at it, but 
you know, even like yeah. a Joe Mixon for uh, Michael Pittman, if somebody wanted to do that in your league, um, Aaron Jones, wow. you know, I would I would make the move. I really think that uh, Pittman's going to be an impact yeah. player down the line. That's Maybe turn some uncertainty. That those yeah. are some big names. That's confidence right there. Turn some yeah. uncertainty like a Michael Thomas into a, a, like a Michael Pittman. You know, Michael Thomas plus for yes. Michael Pittman could get you could get you somewhere. I think that's the more rational approach, right? Like do do that package type deal, like a Patterson plus a Thomas, like to get up right. to Pittman, you know, those Christian kind of package Kirk. deals is probably what it's going to be. And, you know, Thomas is a popular name. I'm seeing a lot like in the discord and, and a lot of people talking about Michael Thomas today right. and what his value is. And, you know, he's somebody that just makes me so nervous. So if you can right. package I'm him up to high. another wide receiver, Pittman or otherwise, I think that's a really yeah. nice call. Yeah, I like it. Who is someone that you're concerned with? Um, you know, we saw a lot of different um, – game flows play out who's someone that you not really sure if they're going to see the role that we thought they were going to or uh never never got the opportunity in week one yeah you know I think the obvious one is Brees Hall you know folks are looking at that and it I don't think it's so much um Brees Hall as Michael Carter like Michael Carter looks good I was actually at the Jets game uh Ravens guy so you know, wow, got down okay. to MetLife and, and saw that matchup. Nice. It was a good one for me. But Michael Carter looks sharp. And, and Brees Hall ended up with 10 targets and kind of a weird offense. You know, they're rocking the first probably four weeks with Joe Flacco. It was a lot of check down work. So if you right. look in a box score, Brees Hall's stat line looks pretty decent. But, you know, when Zach Wilson is back out there, he's not getting 10 targets at the line of scrimmage, which is essentially what he got this last week. So. To see Michael Carter come out as running back one, it wasn't just coach talk, and he looked good. Yeah, he performed yeah. well against a tough Ravens defense. In terms of seasonal, I think we have to really you know, cut back our expectations of Brees Hall, and I still, still think he's going to be a fine running back two-level player, but this idea of him coming out as a rookie and smashing as an RB1, it's probably not going to be that way. I think we got a little spoiled over the last couple of years with you know the Jonathan Taylors and DeAndre Swifts and Najee Harris's as yeah. that you know, kind of consensus rookie running back one. It would have to take a, an injury to Michael Carter, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it, this was something that we talked about all offseason. Dustin and I, we disagreed quite a bit on what Brees was going to do. I, I was quoted by uh, comparing Brees Hall to Royce Freeman. I, I don't think that Brees Hall is just an absolute game-changing monster of a running back. And I actually said... Michael Carter will out-target Brees Hall on the season if both stay healthy. And we had people tweeting and, and commenting on the show saying, this guy's crazy. Dustin Dustin oh. himself said, you are crazy to say that. You are but crazy. I really, it's week one. I know. I'm just saying, if both every time I clicked on that game on Sunday Ticket, when I would click on the Jets, it was Michael Carter. Every time. And uh. 100 yards to 61 yards, 17 to 12 touches. I think it's... If, if it's not Carter's backfield first, if it's not a 1A, 1B, it is definitely a 50-50 mm -hmm. until something happens to Carter. He's, yeah, he's yeah just, it feels like we're setting ourselves efficient. up for that. No, it just feels like the Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon thing over again, yeah. right? Like, how long are we going to hold on to that and just... And we, you know, it's it's just... It's a tough split. Like, it's, it's the NFL versus the fantasy football timeline, right? And yeah, it's going to be ugly for the Jets. The next five or six weeks are gross. Sure. They, the teams they're playing are really, really good. I just, I don't know. I personally, I just think it's, I'm hoping it's more close to a, or closer to a, like a Mike Davis, uh, David Montgomery situation where we see Michael Carter that first week and then Brees Hall gets to take over. So I don't know. I'm probably way too optimistic 
um, about Brees Hall. Like you said, Matt, it's it's probably going to be that Melvin and Javante split. That's probably just coach speak plus what we've seen week one. Like you said, it's it's probably the reality that we're living in. It's a sad, sad reality. It mirrors another situation that is um, kind of hanging over like a gloomy, gloomy day over one of my favorite prospects in the last couple of years. Travis Etienne has a huge James Robinson problem. And it it kills me because if you watch these two dudes on the field, Travis Etienne is easily the most the more electric player. He can do more. He can do kind of what James Robinson does. But then he also is a dynamic playmaker out in open space. So it kills me to see that he only had a handful of touches. He had four carries. He had four targets, you know, two catches. It just granted he missed that touchdown, um, you know, being overthrown and that, you know, the fumble probably didn't help him in that game, but man, you can't look at these two guys and tell me that they're the same, but James Robinson has been the starter and he is seen as a guy who can carry the load, got to establish the run. And of course, Doug Peterson wanting to have a committee just de facto, you know, disregard anyone else in the talent level that they have. Please tell me that you think ETN's role will improve, or are you thinking that this is kind of going to be just a gloomy, gloomy overcast season for this backfield? I mean, I'm right there with you. It's frustrating because I think if you just use the eye test, you understand that Etienne is the more talented player. I think the upside here is that there were a good amount of targets for Etienne this week, you know, relative mm-hmm. to the way the games the the game flowed. So that's the upside, but I almost wonder if Etienne being such a flexible weapon is hurting him to a degree. Like, sure. do the Jaguars not know how they, exactly they want to use him? Do they want to use him as a pass-catching option, as a running back? I think yeah, what's like most troubling for the Etienne fans is what's uh, James Robinson is on his third coaching staff that he continues to win like the majority right. of carries with. So clearly this guy is good, right? Whether yeah, we right. like it or not. So I do think we have to tailor our expectations for Travis Etienne just a little bit. But here's the thing. I think he's still going to have some big weeks. So he almost might play himself into that point of frustration where he ends up on our bench, has a big week. We put him in our lineup. He doesn't have a big week. We take him out. And we have this vicious cycle of just wanting Etienne to be good. Yep. That hurts. (laughs) That that hurts to hear. (laughs) I don't want it. I I would love it so much, Etienne. I'm with you. It's tough. Yeah, does I can't believe yeah, James Robinson's healthy. I can't. <laughs> I thought there's absolutely no way that he comes back before halfway through the year. And I think I thought by then, Etienne will be clearly the lead dog and have a role established. And this is just way. I mean, much like the Cam Akers deal, I thought he's going to come out week one, be fine, and just start to get rolling. And this is there's a lot of backfields right now that are going to be muddy for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are, I mean, like we've, we've got one with a similar situation in, you know, Los Angeles, you know, you're, you're talking about heavy draft capital, you know, th- third, fourth round of a lot of drafts where Cam Akers was taken. And now yeah. you're seeing that, that safety valve running back that, you know, is just dependable and more importantly, healthy in Darrell Henderson. And that's, that's kind of a question I want to ask you, Matt, you know, the first week you never want to see the Buffalo bills, especially in their current state, you know, completely healthy even if you are playing at home and you can ask the rams that but they're heading to atlanta are you are you hoping or i guess are you still concerned with acres you know are you taking him travis has suggested 
um, in our previous shows that you take him out of your starting lineup because you have to see what happens. Is that something that you're also practicing? And uh, what what concerns, if any, um, do you have for the other weapons for the Rams other than Cooper Cup? Yeah, well, Cooper Cup is safe. Thankfully, they can't take right. Cooper Cup from us. All right. Unfortunately, it looks like they're taking Cam Akers from us. I agree, Travis. I think you got to put him on your bench at least for the next week, the next two weeks. I think potentially most concerning the snap count was 54 to 12, right? Between Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. You know, reading between the lines a little bit can get you in trouble. But if you look this offseason, they were really excited about Kyron Williams before he suffered another injury preseason. And Kyron Williams was a guy I really liked coming out. And I thought it was because they liked Kyron Williams relative to Daryl Henderson. But now reading between the lines, I wonder if they realized that Cam Akers needed to be on a little bit of a of a pitch count or a rotational role, whatever you want to call it. And they were excited for Kyron Williams to be a part of that. So moving forward, and they do have more depth down the depth chart. I know they like at running back, right? So I, I think you have to proceed with caution when it comes to cam Akers. Now the other weapon, of course, that we're worried about in the Rams offense is Allen Robinson. And I'm holding out a little bit more hope for Allen Robinson I think it was a little sure. bit of a forced game script. I don't think the Rams are really doing what they wanted to do. And I'm always very cautious about overreacting to what I would call like an island game, right? Like Thursday night football, the first game of the season, even Monday night football, when everybody's right. eyes are on it, we tend to over adjust in those games. So yeah. Allen Robinson is a guy who, if I need to slide him in that flex spot, I'm willing to do it. Am I the most confident this week? No. But I am willing to give him another shot before I cast him off into the same bucket that I put Cam Akers in. Yeah, I mean, it would not. The question I asked myself when making that kind of decision after being high on Allen Robinson, very high all offseason, is if he were to come out and have 100 to 120 yards in a score this weekend, would it? Would you be shocked at that performance? And I would not. Yeah, right. I feel like Absolutely. he could easily do that with the attention Cooper Cup's going to get. You get Atlanta if you watch the tape and there's a lot of it on Twitter of where Allen Robinson was, there were a lot of chances and Matt Stafford just had no time. It was, they were under duress all night. He was forcing it to, to cup. Um, yeah, I, I feel like Allen Robinson is a great buy low. I still think Allen Robinson is going to be around that top 20, probably inside the top 20. He's going to, he'll hit a thousand yards. He's going to have some pop-off games. Week two could be a huge bounce back for him. Yeah, yeah, that's that, that, that's a good point. I hope so. I mean, I got a lot of shares, Allen Robinson. <laughs> a yeah. lot. You know who we don't Too have many. any shares of, though, Matt? We don't have any shares of Kyle Pitts. Hmm. Zero. And you and me just, both. All yeah. right. Are you all sad right. about it, or are you, or you saw this coming too? I mean, here's the thing. It, it's a. It was a weird week in terms of Atlanta. I mean, I am a Marcus Mariota fan, and I actually have a ton of Marcus Mariota. I just, I love wow. the price there. I play the primarily nice. Superflex league, so yeah. You know, it was a, it was a really good quarterback two three to have on your roster, and you know he threw zero touchdowns, so that's a little concerning. But at the end of the day, Kyle Pitts really, relative to Drake London, uh, was not prioritized as the top passing option in the offense. So that could be a one week thing, or this could be a long-term I've never wanted to pay the price with Kyle Pitts all the way back to when he was coming out as a rookie. And then certainly, you know, pushing first and second round ADP this year, I thought was just too rich in this offense that is going to drop in volume, right? The touchdowns were going to drop naturally with Marcus Mariota. And the Mm -hmm. thing is looking out, 
Drake London is a much better red zone target through and through. He went five for 74. If Drake London had even snuck in like a two-yard touchdown, we would be so excited yeah. about Drake London's stat line this past Very week, true. right? Yeah. I think Kyle Pitts was, what, two for 19 off the top of my head? Yep. It was not yeah. an yep. impressive number. So yeah. seven for targets, me, though. yes. Oh, sorry. Actually, what was his target number? I don't have that. Yeah, seven. Seven targets. Okay, so you could look at that two ways, but probably a sure. positive, right? Targets overall. <laughs> right. I hope yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that's positive, but I think at the end of the day, it's going to come down to who's the touchdown guy, right? Like who's the red mm-hmm. zone guy in that offense? Because Marcus Mariota is not going to throw 40 of them. He's probably going to throw 27 of them. So where's that going to land? It's going to be the big question. Obviously, if you drafted Kyle Pitts in the first or second round, you got to roll Oof. him out next week. You don't have that option. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, Unless you, you picked up Taysom Hill. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, that's oh goodness, I can't imagine the feeling. But if, if you're starting Taysom Hill over Kyle Pitts, please send me a screenshot of that starting lineup. I would love to see it. Oh, someone <laughs> it needs a hug. It. I could or see a happen. drink. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a full tilt moment. Yeah, that's so rough. That's yeah. You you nailed it right on the head though, because they're the t- the touchdowns are going to be the the factor there, and especially with his draft capital, we just assumed you know you have to regress towards the mean and the the positive regression and. He's got to score more, and yeah, he'll probably score more than one. But is it going to be ten that you need to probably, you know, pay off that draft capital? You know, it's it's hard to to imagine that with this offense. Vegas's you know, lines for Atlanta preseason were horrific for yeah, for what they expect that passing offense to be, and. And they were the same yeah. for Miami. I think Tua was like 37, 38, maybe 3,600 yards. It was and, – yeah. and if he didn't – if Waddle didn't break that off and take it to the house, that was an ugly day for Tua. That saved his entire day. He still only had 15 fantasy points, but people are saying, you know, Tua's fine and this offense is going to be it, – it's not. It's really not. I, I – a lot of red flags. I watched, I watched a lot of the Miami game because I'm anti-Tua, but – I am pro Marcus Mariota. I also have him in a couple super flex leagues. I think he's a good player. I think he it's it's unfortunate that the last three or four years, which should have been his prime, he didn't get a real shot. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. Because I would have liked to have seen it. And I think he could have been one of those dual threat guys. But I, for Kyle Pitts, sure. the attention he's going to get, I don't see him getting to a thousand yards because yeah. these 19 to 35 yard games, if they happen four or five times over the course of the year, he has to answer that with 120. And how many of those? Maybe one or two. I just don't see it. Matt Ryan is it is you know probably Hall of Fame quarterback, and the drop off to Mariota when there's no other. Um, threats. I I'm very scared of Kyle Pitts. Yeah, well, you know we can't always have top receiving options on our team, Matt. Like Devin Duvernay, <laughs> he, he's uh he's obviously the top option there, and you know we're just gonna have to accept the fact that no. Mark Andrews, another receiving t- another you know top receiving option at tight end, is just gonna have to take a back seat because he's Lamar's favorite now, and I'm sure you agree. Listen, all I'm saying is, you know, Devin DuVernay was one of my guys coming out in that draft class. That was a few years back now. What, 2019 draft class maybe yeah, was, mm-hmm. was DuVernay? So I tried to coin the nickname Big Play DuVernay. I don't know if it actually stuck anywhere, but I have been to, uh, well, probably about five or six Ravens games now. But the last two I've gone to, 
Devin Duvernay put up a touchdown last season, and he put up two when I was in attendance this year. So I think I got to keep going to games. It's the only <laughs> way we're going to make this Duvernay yeah. thing happen. But I think a lot of folks, you know, it was a weird game. It was pouring rain. It was not an ideal offense. But Lamar still ended up throwing three touchdown passes, I believe. Um, and Rashad Bateman did snag one of those, which was fantastic. Thank but God otherwise, Rashad Bateman, just two receptions on, I believe, five targets. And Yeah. What is that uh, about? Yeah, well, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Was Gardner at that... the game? I need some analysis on this map. <laughs> did Gardner yeah, spend a lot know, of time uh, covering I will Bateman? say the Ravens offense did not look in season. I, yeah. like The stat line worked out fine because they were playing the Jets, and they controlled that game. But the rushing attack wasn't there. Uh, Lamar had some big passes, and that was blown coverage, right? Like Bateman got past this guy. He was wide open. Um, and so that was a pretty easy one relatively to make. Obviously, Bateman had to get open. I'm not taking it away from him. But, you know, right. in terms of the crispness of the passing game, it wasn't really there yet. So do you think it it's be because they didn't see, have the, you know, the threat of the play action that they've had for so long? Yeah, I mean, Mike Davis was not scaring anybody in that game. And, uh, yeah. you know, sure. potentially even more horrific was I think Kenyon Drake was a little bit uh, more efficient on the ground. So I think the He's Ravens are in a little bit of trouble till they can get Dobbins back out there. Wow. Yeah, I agree. That that rushing attack, yeah. Anytime you see Kenny and Drake and Mike Davis in the backfield, you know it's like, okay, we don't we don't really have to be too worried. There's no know. respect there. And that, that's kind of what I'm saying is I feel like they can just drop back and say, We're not, you know, RPOs, all that. It's it looks so different when they don't have one of those guys that can pop one off. So yeah, an interesting right. anomaly there too was, you know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have the the stats in front of me for how often he covered him, but you know, Sauce Gardner was actually down on Mark Andrews a good amount that game, uh, which is kind of a crazy matchup. And, and Sauce played well against Andrews. So yeah, it would be interesting to track kind of how opposing defenses view the top target in the offense. You know, are they gonna put their best corner on Rashad Bateman or are they gonna slide him down to Mark Andrews? At which point would be a, a big perk for Rashad Bateman if he's able to draw lesser coverage. Yep. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's. That's that's a good point. Sauce Gardner, man, he's he's a uh, he's definitely someone that I I was afraid to start Bateman against, which is a crazy thought against a rookie. You know, he's good. He, he is, is very good. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, not not all of the rookies are good. You know, especially I mean, heck, ask Houston how Michael Pittman is. Uh, but, but, uh, you know, you're getting back into kind of what, what your realm is, it, you know, you know, uh, obviously fancy, but we're talking more Debbie stuff. You know, I want to, I want to talk some Debbie, you know, Travis is just now getting into dynasty and having an expert such as yourself. I want to get your take on this upcoming super class. It is the 2023 draft class because it's all we hear about in the community. We had Felix Sharp on telling uh, from campus Canton telling us uh, some stuff, you know, about his favorite prospects. Who who are some guys that we should be keeping an eye out heading into the next draft class? Yeah, Felix is great by the way. Campus Canton, a tremendous resource. You know, I sub to those guys. I would. I uh, highly encourage it for anybody looking to take a little bit deeper of a dive, get on over to the college side. And don't worry, Travis, we'll get you into the Debbie game next. We'll get you all yeah, the way in. I'm year two in Dynasty, and now Dustin's like, you need Debbie. I'm like, can I get two or three years in this first, man? Come on. 
<laughs> just keep going. Just keep, uh, just keep biting the bug here. You know, I, 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 I usually am the one who sits here and is like, all right, let's not do this, folks, because we get there every year and we and we hype up the next draft class as every soon as the draft year. finishes. You know, we start hyping up and I'm usually the guy that's like, all right, come on, let's pump the brakes. Let's be rational. Let's not oversell the product here. Folks, mm -hmm. next year, it's going to be good. All right. I think yeah. we're looking at potentially our best class since 2020, just in terms of overall talent. You know, right off the bat, the guy that we're going to be the most excited about is B. John Robinson, the running back out of Texas. B. John Robinson, 6-0-215. He's an absolute versatile running back. I would not be shocked if in super flex leagues, he's still the 101. Uh, and that is not knocking the quarterback class. Bijan wow. Robinson is a power runner. He's a very sharp runner. And the yeah. most slept on feature for Bijan Robinson is his pass catching ability. He actually lines up at wide receiver at times for Texas. And I think he's the second best route runner on that offense behind Xavier Worthy, who we're going to have to wait another year for. Xavier Worthy, not eligible till 2024. But at the top is definitely Bijan Robinson. And he comes with some other good running back candidates currently fighting for running back too. And I like to start talking about the running backs because I feel like for a lot yeah. of folks, that's what they hone in on in terms of the strength of the class. But Jameer right. Gibbs, an excellent pass catching back out of Alabama, follows that up. Zach Evans is a really dynamic running back. He's probably going to end up my running back too right now. A really clean runner, former five-star, powerful, really efficient, former and solid hands to go along with it. Former horn frog like myself. Former horn frog. Yep. Yeah. yeah. A wild yeah. recruiting process. If you ever yes. want to just like <laughs> Crazy. Lose, lose an hour of your time, just Google Zach Evans recruiting. But he did end up at TCU and, yeah. and he did pretty well for the horn frogs for a couple of years. He did. Uh, I want I want you to continue on the prospects, but I want to ask fantasy wise, just learning wise for myself. Yeah. Um what type of player would you trade for a 2023 first right now? Um, if you are competing and if you're not competing, uh, that's a really good question. So here's what I'm going to, I'm going to do this a little on the fly here, but I actually, um, so my Debbie rankings, I'm just, I'm just looking at them on the side here. I kind of put a number equivalent to it. So I have a, a oh, nice. rating scale. So I'm just going to quickly pull that up against my dynasty rankings to give you an example of somebody who, you know, might be a good uh, switch. So, um, you know, you look at a guy I mentioned here. So um, Bijan Robinson is somebody I'm really high on. So Bijan Robinson right now, uh, in terms of the running back class, I have him like right about the same price, the value point here as I would in dynasty value, somebody like uh, Nick Chubb, uh, somebody like Alvin Kamara, like a veteran coming down. Like I would okay. flip, Interesting. you know, obviously there's always inherent risk when you're playing Debbie, right? You never know what's going to happen with a prospect, but we're talking about B. John Robinson coming in and being a tier one running back essentially right off the bat without knowing his landing spot. But we, I'm expecting him to have first round draft capital pretty locked and loaded there and could really? see it in a cent in value similar to Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, two years ago after his rookie season. So you know, you're, you're really looking at a guy that has a power similar to Jonathan Taylor, not quite as strong as Jonathan Taylor or Najee Harris, but a similar level of power with the athleticism that you maybe would have seen from, you know, I don't want to say quite Christian McCaffrey in terms of dual threat ability, but maybe more along the lines of a DeAndre Swift. So it's it's a really exciting upside guy. And, you know, as you work down a little further, that that second tier of guys is probably more in 
that J.K. Dobbins range, that Dalvin Cook coming down on his value type range. So we're talking about three or four running backs deep here that, you know, have a legitimate shot to immediately plug into your fantasy lineups next year. Okay. So if you're if you're on a, a win now team, so you think, and you get halfway through the season and things aren't going your way, some guys are getting hurt. If you're looking to rebuild or blow something up, um, are, how, like how many of those 2023 first do you think would have that type of elite value? Like, are you moving um, Chubb and Dalvin Cook type for a 2020, a mid-level 23 first or a late 23 first, or is it just that top tier guy or top tier of, of 23 first where it looks like it's going to be a top three or four pick? Yeah, there's really good depth in this class. So uh, right now, the the drop-off point that I have for the first round is 111. Uh, so 11 wow. of those picks right now I'm projecting oh, wow. to be pretty valuable. That's and if you compare that to the past year, right, that drop-off point was about 105. So almost twice as many impact players. And the year before was about 107 was that first round drop off. So if 107 is going to be kind of an average year, you know, I think last year was a little bit less value and it's going to look, you know, compared to back to back against this stronger class, this year is going to end up looking even weaker. Uh, But certainly, you know, for me, I'm acquiring 2023 first at any point, you know, when I trade right. for a first round pick, I tend to assume it's the 106 no matter what. I try not to read okay. too into, you know, what my opponents look like, but quite frankly, I'm willing to pay for the 111 really aggressively just as much as I'm willing to go and get that 104 because there's going to be really good depth. And what I say my cheat code for for really nailing a rookie draft is to lean into second round picks. People tend to undervalue those, and that's where yeah. some of our best value comes nice. from. So if you can go ahead and, and you're moving pieces and someone's like, well, I'm not willing to give up a first, but I have a couple, you know, I have a couple twos or, you know, I, I might even have three second round picks. Would you think about that instead? Like, yeah, let's scoop those up too, because those are going to be really valuable to have. So you're saying for me, stop throwing a second into a deal. Like it's not <laughs> stop that. Stop I'm that. Like, immediately. What about a second? They're like, sure. I'll take that deal. I'm like, thank you. Just take them. Yeah, no, Travis, don't do that. <laughs> All right, no, now I got to go the other way. Really good there in the second round in this upcoming year. Okay, Thank I'm going to start educating these. Thank you for educating my man, Matt. That, that he, truly the fantasy football educator there. Yeah, you know, talking about some younger prospects, there are there are a couple guys that I I do want to cover um, while while we've got you here because. Yeah. One of my favorite prospects, and Travis knows that I have been in love with this guy. Two guys, or, yeah, we'll, we'll make it three guys because they're they're pretty uh, they're pretty in the spotlight right now. First one is Trevor Lawrence. Yes, you know he's he's kind of polarizing because he's not quite out of the woods um, of shedding that that kind of shaded bust label. You know, it's like right now they're still in the middle of printing that bust label for him. <laughs> you know, I, I want your take on. What did he do week one to either quiet it or to add on to any speculation that um, that you might have that he could still be a bust? Um, and what do you see his you know his next few weeks um, or the season playing out for him like? Yeah, I think we've gotten a little spoiled the past couple of years with with Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert and some of these guys at the quarterback position coming out and just making an immediate impact, right? This has been a position that traditionally we've given two to three years for guys to really step into their role. And I think Travis, uh, I think Trevor Lawrence 
looked better this past week. I think there's reason to be optimistic about him. You know, when it plugs into a fantasy lineup, uh, it's still not exactly the stats you want to be, you know, in, in a seasonal context, you know, plugging him in with with confidence each and every week. But it's important to remember, too, Washington, although we generally tend to think about them as, a, as an overall dumpster fire, has put a right. lot of money into their defense, right? And they get a mm-hmm. lot of pressure. So uh, Jacksonville's still working on that offensive line. I think they're building the right pieces around Trevor Lawrence, which we found is has been just as important, right? I talk about this all the time, but but Josh Allen, right, would not be the Josh Allen we didn't know if Buffalo didn't take the time to figure out the pieces that worked around him. And I right. know, you know, we're looking at, ah, they overpaid Christian Kirk, and, you know, they're adding, you know, Marvin Jones, and, like, what's going on with these pieces? And, you know, it's it's all these, you know, depth of wide receivers. It's Chanel on the way out. But right. I think Jacksonville, in, under this new coaching regime, is taking the time to, to – pair weapons with trevor lawrence not trying to do it the other way around so it might agree. take a little while you know we waited till year three for that josh allen breakout i think we're going to be more excited about trevor lawrence at the end of this season and i think he will put up some qb1 weeks by the time we're done with it i love to hear it and i completely agree i think a lot of the slot guys that they brought in those inside type receivers not really your traditional x guys you know christian kirk guys that i'll say that that fit into an rpo style offense you know, we know Doug Peterson likes to focus on the tight end and bringing in, you know, a safety blanket of sorts and Evan Ingram, if you really want to call it. That, that safety blanket's got a lot of holes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Evan Ingram's there. Like you said, Christian Kirk. I like Zay Jones in that offense. Marvin Jones still there. Um, if they ever figure out how to get ETN involved, I will stop mentioning it on this show. <laughs> The next guy, that's his though, college buddy, right? They got to figure right? that out. They will. Can they, I? I, I are they, they going to eat brunch together? Like, is there a college <laughs> roommate narrative? Is there? Can I get something for these guys? Like, can someone please investigate what these two did together at Clemson and just bring that into the NFL? Like, you guys, what? What was it, just sitting playing video games, eating Sour Patch Kids? That's fine. Let's make the Sour Patch Brothers. We'll get that going. They'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm off on a tangent. I apologize. Let's talk about Trey Lance. Trey Lance. I don't want to. I don't want to keep this this ball this wacky ball rolling. Um, let's talk about Trey Lance real quick because he he faced the Bears. Um, we talked about him in our last show. Are you? Do you still have a lot of faith in this guy coming from you know FCS school, you know, and then now it, right into the NFL having to save a franchise? Yeah, it's obviously not a good week one for Trey Lance, right? But we're talking about pretty tough conditions to look good in. And I know Justin Fields looked slightly better, but still, we're talking about a literal puddle that they played on for four quarters. Um, And a good Bears defense still. Not, you know, a top-tier NFL defense, but still a good defense. So I'm not going to pivot off of Trey Lance at all. You know, I acquired a good bit of Trey Lance over the last two years. I'm still really excited about his talent. He's got a big arm. He has great athleticism. And quite frankly, just having that rushing ability can get you pretty far in fantasy football in the long term. So as the the, the season progresses here, I think he's going to settle a little bit more into his role. And I think he's going to end up with some pretty big weeks. So I'm definitely not pivoting off of Trey Lance yet. We're going to put him right back in the lineup with the same level of confidence we had going into week one. This is one I'm not overreacting to. I think this was a series of, of tough factors against Trey Lance. Yeah. And right. maybe after the first week, we have to, or the first month, sorry, we have to reevaluate and be a little bit more critical. But 
for now, I'm going to ride with that blind confidence. Yeah. One of the things we said, um, maybe 20, 30 minutes before the show was, was that the worst game we'll see from Trey Lance this season? Fantasy yeah. points wise. It probably was. You it's probably very possible. just saw the word. And, and a lot of it was the weather. It wasn't like, you know, he could have come out there and had four points, five points. We saw Aaron Rodgers with a five or Joe Burrow with a 10. Like every, the names that were down there was, it was not just Trey Lance and none of them were dealing with a hurricane type rainstorm. So I think we did just see the worst of Trey Lance. He could be a nice buy low for people that are freaking out because if you're on Twitter, there's a lot of overreaction. Like, you know, he's not who we thought Jimmy G's right there. Like there's enough negative talk about him to at least make an offer to see what you can get. Yeah, absolutely. And if he had done that in week six with good weeks, you know, surrounding it, we wouldn't have blinked twice about it. You yeah. know what I mean? So I absolutely agree. If, if somebody in your league is panicking, I'm buying. Yeah. Perfect. Take advantage of it. All right, Matt, one more thing uh, to run by you and then I'll get you out of here. Um, by the end of the season, do you think that we're really having an honest conversation that Jahan Dotson is the number one receiver in Washington? Oh, man. You know, that hurts my heart uh, because I love my man F1 as well. But Jahan Dotson is my guy. I'm not exaggerating. I'm pretty sure I finished with 90 plus percent exposure in my rookie draft to Jahan Dotson. That. Oh, my. I scooped him up God. everywhere. Nice week so, one for you. <laughs> yeah, I was so excited yeah. about that week one. You know, it, it, doing this rookie analysis, when you hit on that type of value, it's one thing to hit on the top of the class, you know, those one through five picks. And who knows? Jahan Dotson might not hit in the long run, right? But just sure. in terms of that week one feeling, when you get that guy that was in that unsure tier and you just soaked him up, you leaned into that confidence, uh, yeah. it's a good feeling. And so right now, Jahan Dotson getting those two impressive looking touchdowns, I'm hoping it builds confidence with Carson Wentz over the course of the season, right? Because you could look at that and say he had two catches on three targets, right? It wasn't actually that much volume. Um, but over the course of the season, that type of chemistry matters, right? Yeah, and Carson Wentz sure. looking to hold down this job is going to go to the guy that he feels confident with. So I don't know if John Dotson will be the wide receiver one in Washington uh, overall in terms of NFL scheme. But if we can keep Terry McLaurin as the NFL wide receiver one and pull top coverage and let Jahan Dotson continue to take the top off the defense and be the fantasy wide receiver one, hey, that's a win-win for everybody, right? So that's what I'm hoping for. I don't think we could expect two touchdowns from him every week, of course. But, you know, this was somebody that I projected, I think, preseason at seven touchdowns. And he's already on pace to maybe push past that a little bit. Yeah, thirty-four touchdowns this year. It's uh, it's on pace. So <laughs> stats don't I, lie, baby. Stats that's don't right. lie. No, that's right. Can't can't fudge the numbers. There, they're, they're there for a reason. <laughs> oh man, Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to to talk to us, uh, to educate Travis on some some dynasty strategy, and uh, of course, um, talk about Trevor Lawrence because I never get enough of it. Um, Thanks for coming, man. I really, I, I appreciate it. I learned a lot just in our little time together. I will be reaching out to you often on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fantastic, fellas. It was fun to chop it up with you. I love it. It was a nice, uh, a nice array of topics. We cut into the college game. We talked week one. We got some prospect talk in there. It was a good time. Yeah. Thanks for educating, man. Everyone, thanks for listening. Make sure you follow Matt over at the FF Educator on Twitter. And as always, make sure you're following us on Twitter at Losing Sucks. 
I'm your host, Dustin Blanton, along with Travis Masterson. And this has been Losing Sucks. Remember, losing sucks. Don't do it. <laughs>